You know, I love movies, and I, I'm sure you love some great movies. And, you know, one thing about movies is that they have these great lines that just kind of stick in your head. You can't get them out of your mind. And, and you recall them, and you share them with friends, and they're just hilarious. I, I thought of the great movie lines. Maybe you have some. But here's just a few I came up with. Um, there, first, we got a lines that we just can't get out of our heads. Check this one. That's a good one. Got a great movie line. And then sometimes there's other ones that just focus in on like maybe one word. Check us out. William Shatner. Con! Yeah, gotta love it. And then they go from the super kind of serious movie line to like the crazy fun. Check it out. Great movie lines, you know? And then here's another one uh, from, from the world of sports. And we could go on and on and on with these for a long time. And then there's hundreds of them, thousands of them, right? Well, you know what? The book of Proverbs is like a collection of just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of great lines. Uh, Solomon, King Solomon, pours together, and there's a few others, pours together incredible wisdom nuggets inspired by the Holy Spirit to help guide our lives. And you know, one thing I love about the book of Proverbs is that you can pick it up, and every time you pick it up and read a chapter or a section, it's like you're looking at a little different way. I, uh, I gave to our grandson, um, Nico, this a Curious George Kaleidoscope. And the cool thing about Kaleidoscope is that you look through it, and, and you kind of twist it a little bit, and you get a different picture. But if you just shake it just a little bit, you got a completely different picture. And I think that's kind of what Proverbs is like. Every time you pick it up, you just shake it a little bit and then you can look at it from a little different angle, a little different way. We've been doing that. We come to Proverbs chapter 27. Guys, we got 31 chapters. We're almost there. Here we go. Uh, Solomon wrote, he says in another part of scriptures that Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs. Now, not all of them are in the book of Proverbs, but he wrote 3,000 Proverbs. And now we come in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 25 to 29, what's called Hezekiah's collection. So Hezekiah was a king who lived 200 years after King Solomon. And he picked out of King Solomon, the former king, he's the king, uh, he picked out not 3,000, not 300, but 137 of his favorite Solomon movie lines or Proverbs. So he, could, he had 3,000 to choose from. We only have his top 137. A little bit of background on Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a king 200 years after Solomon. Israel was in deep, deep, steep decline. And he turned it around by the grace of God. He, he, he led a great revival and renewal and reform of the people of God. And he wasn't perfect. He made mistakes, which the scriptures record. But he was an amazing leader. And uh, not only did he lead a spiritual revival, but he also collected these proverbs that have a lot of relational wisdom from Solomon. Hezekiah served and sought God wholeheartedly, but he also knew that a king 
And the people of the kingdom needed strong relationships, not just with God, although that was primary, but with one another. And Proverbs chapter 27 focuses on just a few of those one another relationally uh, building Proverbs nuggets of wisdom. So fasten your seatbelt. We're going to look at 10 of them today. Proverbs chapter 27 verses 1 through 10. And it's Hezekiah's crash course on renewing, improving, and strengthening every relationship that you have. Just a sampling today. But I want you to think about your relationships. You're, maybe you, you have a family. Or you're part of a family. Uh, you think about your friends, your closest friends, your kind of acquaintances. You think about uh, your coworkers that you, you work with. You think about people in the community or beyond that you interact with. All of those relationships require the Spirit of God and the wisdom of God to be able to have them thrive and flourish. And, you know, you may be facing right now some relational challenges, or maybe not. Maybe things seem to be going smoothly. But I'm telling you, these nuggets of wisdom are going to help you improve, strengthen, renew every single relationship. Because you can take the principles here and apply them almost to almost any relationship. Family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, whatever. All right, you with me? So can I ask you right now to ask God to open your heart to his wisdom. He wants to give you wisdom, but you have to open your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to do some work on your heart today on your relationships through this wisdom. Okay, come with me. We're going to have about six principles today from uh, Proverbs chapter 27. Verse 1 says, don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day might bring. One thing that gets in the way of relationships is when you think you know where they're heading, when you think you know what you're doing in life. And Solomon warns us uh, about, uh, about boasting about, hey, I, I've got these great plans. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be amazing. Or, you don't even know what tomorrow might bring. Mess the message translation says, you don't know the first thing about tomorrow. Let's talk about meteorologists for a minute, all right? They make predictions and forecasts. They got all this technology. Um, and yet, you know, they oftentimes find it very difficult to predict what's going to happen tomorrow, right? I mean, unless you're in San Diego, and then you know pretty much most days, okay? Um, but if you're in Des Moines, you're in the Midwest, forget it. You, you don't really know what tomorrow will bring. You got it all mapped out, and then suddenly a tornado shows up, okay, whatever. And meteorologists somehow, they do keep their job. I, I think people irrationally listen to them too much and think that they really can predict the future. Guys, 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 please. They're just people. They got great technology and everything, but I, I honestly, I don't believe a weather forecast further than like maybe 36, 48 hours out. Not in the Midwest, sorry. But I digress. Don't boast about tomorrow. Don't be telling us, we've got the most accurate forecast of my life. No. Don't, don't count your chickens before they hatch. You know, musical Annie, Annie, the sun will come out tomorrow. Oh, you don't know that. I mean, it's a, it's a nice hopeful thing to say. And yeah, sure, it's an optimistic point of view. And I get it. And I love the song and I've sung it myself. But the truth is, we really don't know what tomorrow will bring. 
And sometimes when we get haughty and we think we know better than anybody else or better than God even what I'm going to be doing and how this relationship is going to be going or what I'm planning on doing with you or with you or with you, we don't know the first thing about tomorrow. So just dial it down. Bring on a little humility. Sometimes there's a humility that we demonstrate to the people around us when we recognize that God is ultimately in control of our lives, our schedules, our relationships, and we are not. I'm telling you, humility, it comes back again and again and again and again and again in the book of Proverbs, is such an important foundation. And it is a foundation for strengthening your relationships. And it begins with just looking at your life and saying, God's in control and I'm not. <laughs> That's what this verse is saying. So start with humility in all your relationships. God is in control, I'm not. I have to look to God for strength. I have to look to God for my future because I don't know. Goes on to verse two. Another little angle, this is a little kaleidoscope here, little angle on humility. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. What this is saying here is that human beings are given to self-promotion. Um, culture tells us to push ourselves, to sell ourselves. And oftentimes our insecurities cause us to praise ourselves or we name drop or we seek to impress other people. He says, no, don't talk about all your accomplishments, all your abilities. Don't you be talking about those things and bragging about them. No, let your actions do the talking and let others do the praising. You do the living and let other people speak into your life what they think about you. It's so much more powerful when other people are telling you the good things that they appreciate about you than you trying to sell yourself. And we know people like this that are constantly just coming on to us and, and just you know, trying to impress us with how awesome and great they are. And, you know, we all see through it. I, you know, I'm just a human being. Human beings at their best are human beings at best. They're just not all that impressive, no matter who they are. So the overall principle that we learn from these first two verses, and it will transform and strengthen every relationship you have, is this. Shift the focus away from you. Number one key to healthy relationships, I'm going to write it out right now. Okay, here we go. Um, let's do it this way. Here it is. We already talked about it. H-U-M. This is the virtue that we're talking about. Shift the focus away from you. It's going to bless and improve every single relationship you have. Somebody has said it. Books have been written about it. It's not about you. It's not about you. And when it becomes about you or it becomes about me, this poisons all the relationships around me because I get self-centered and selfish and consumed with self. And pretty soon I'm not relating well to anybody around me. You know, in 1936, uh, an author by the name of Dale Carnegie wrote a book, 
how to win friends and influence people. And although, although the title sounds a little bit manipulative, it's really not in the read the book. Um, it's really just about having empathy for other people, learning to listen to other people, to draw them out instead of harshly criticizing them, you know, give constructive uh, feedback, this sort of thing. But really it's about listening to others, focusing on others, uh, really pouring our lives into other people rather than trying to gain everybody to look at me and focus on me. And it's very counterintuitive. It was counterintuitive in 1936, and it's still a best-selling book every single year because it says, shift the focus away from you. You want to improve every relationship you have? Start right there. You know, there's a principle in, um, in drama or in acting or in the stage, um, and I'm actually uh, just going to say it this way. When, when, you're, when you're on the stage, okay, what they tell you, what the director will tell you is don't upstage people. And what upstaging people is, is there, you have the, the other actors on the stage and they're kind of at the same place you are. And upstaging is when you start going backwards, upstage. Because when you go upstage, it seems like, oh, I'm fading to the background. But what happens is everybody else has to turn to talk to you as you are going further back. So it's kind of like this false humility thing. Not that you know, people just accidentally do it, but, but in life, it's like you're upstaging by, you're like, oh, don't pay attention to me, I'm not important. But everybody else has to turn around and focus on you. That's called upstaging people in, in, on, on the stage or on the platform. But in, in life, it's just forcing people to turn around and look at you all the time. Sometimes this has been called the humble brag. That clever way of boasting while pretending to be modest, right? It's a fine art of self-promotion wrapped in false humility. I came across these examples. Somebody says, I'm not one to brag, but I just received another promotion at work. I guess my coworkers really appreciate my incredible work ethic. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm so exhausted from all the parties and events I have to attend. Being popular and well-liked can be such a burden sometimes, you know. Uh, I have way too many talents. It's hard to decide which one to pursue as a career. Life can be so tough when you're a multi-talented genius. <laughs> right? Uh, and I'm just a regular person, like everyone else. Uh, but I guess my stunning looks and charming personality make it hard for people to forget, forget me. Now those are exaggerations, but we have subtler ways of doing it. And we just, it, it just doesn't help relationships. We help relationships when we don't focus on ourselves and when we turn it outward and focus on other people. Your, you will strengthen every relationship you have by steering the focus away from yourself and toward others. What would happen in your family if you did that? What would happen in your friendships or your co with your coworkers if you pushed away from focus on you to focus on them? What would happen with your neighbors if it wasn't all about you and your needs and your wants and your desires? Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many i mean jesus christ god in human flesh himself said i'm here to serve i'm here for others wow the apostle paul writes do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves 
you're more important than I am. That is a countercultural human nature step. Everyone, he says, should look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, he says in Philippians 2. In Jesus, he says, he, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus is the ultimate one who, who is here to serve others, here to focus on others. You want to improve every relationship you have, strengthen every relationship, focus on others. Okay, let's keep on going. What was another one of Hezekiah's top Solomon tweets? The 137, we're looking at just 10 today, to help us strengthen every relationship. Verse 3. A stone is heavy and sand a burden, but aggravation from a fool outweighs them both. You ever do some landscaping in your yard where you had to haul stone or like a big rock or something? I mean, it is heavy. And you can kill your back and, you know, throw off everything or, you know, God forbid it lands on your foot or something. You know, you can cause a lot. It's, it's heavy and sand. I mean, you ever do the sandbag thing in the back of the pickup truck or maybe you're helping with a flood? I mean, they make them heavy and they are. And, and they're just a burden, heavy burdens. And Solomon says, but they don't compare at all to the aggravation that a fool brings. That outweighs stones and sand by far. So a fool, and Pastor Brandon talked about fools and the aggravation that they can come. And here is it's just a warning to us, I think, and also an empathy. Um, there are some heavyweight champions of aggravation. People just drive us nuts. And I think the implication here on this verse is don't be one of those people. Don't be that guy. Don't be that person. Don't be that woman. Don't be the one who is a, a, an aggravation and just weighs other people down by just focusing on yourself, selfishness or just moral depravity or bad choices. You're just breaking other people's hearts. You're just causing problems for other people. He says, don't be that person. Don't be the one. I came up, I saw a book a while back and this was still around, you know, Barnes and Noble. And, and the book was entitled, what, very provocative title. What's it like to be married to me? And other dangerous questions. This is a Christian book. It's written for wives, basically, but the principles in the book apply to husbands and wives. And it's an honest question. I wonder what it's like to be married to me. A lot of spouses, a lot of friends never, you know, ask a question that says, what's it like to be like me and have to deal with me? It's a really dangerous question to ask yourself. In fact, the book goes on to ask other dangerous questions like, am I willing to change my attitude? Or, I love this one, why do I want to stay mad at you? Those are dangerous questions because they, they cause us to self-reflect and saying, what do I bring to the relationship? What's it like to be married to me? 
And it's a time and a pause of self-reflection and saying, I know how, what that drives me crazy, but what about me? How do I drive other people crazy? Um, so don't be that person. And ask yourself dangerous questions. Are you a stone or a big bag of sand to somebody? Are you just heavy weight that's just aggravating other people? Don't be that person. Maybe you're 15. Maybe you're 85. Don't be that person. The other angle that the, we can, you, we, you just change up the kaleidoscope a little bit on this verse, is uh, where it's a stone and a sand, is uh, Solomon's showing some empathy for us here. He goes, guys, I'm, I'm a, he's been a king, and he knows what it's like to have aggravations of people that are just driving you crazy. And so the book of Proverbs is saying, yeah, we get it. <laughs> uh, we know Solomon says, I know, I, I've dealt with people like this. And he's not really offering a solution. It's more empathy. It's like, yeah, that, that's hard. And sometimes God comes to us and he says, you know, it's hard to have that situation with that person. And he loves us and he cares for us and he wants us to pour out those burdens and not carry them ourselves. He's also encouraging us to be careful about our closest associates and um, the friends we choose. And certainly if you're not married, the partner you may choose. Can I just say a word to those of you who are not yet married, but want to be? Don't settle. Doesn't mean you're ever going to find Mr. or Mrs. Perfect. You're not. But there are a lot worse things than being single. And one of them is partnering for life with someone who is just not the kind of character, spiritual character, spirituality that you need and frankly that you deserve. So don't settle. Um, because a fool is heavy, you know? It's funny. A stone is heavy, a sand is a burden, aggravation, a fool always in both. Remember when we had, I mean, we would say, this is, goes back to the 80s. That's heavy, man. Um, and actually, it's not new, um, but I, I remember a movie, remember Back to the Future? Marty McFly keeps saying this word, and Doc doesn't understand what he's talking about because it's slang. Remember this? Okay. Yeah, you no, know, it's just heavy. And, and Solomon is saying that that's a heavy situation when you're having to deal with somebody. So be careful of the friends you choose. And if you're going through some difficulties, hang in there, cast those burdens on God. But don't be that person. If you want to strengthen every relationship and improve every relationship you have, don't be that person. Look on, verse 4. Uh, fury is cruel, anger a flood, but who can withstand jealousy? Here's kind of the uh, trinity of poisons to the human heart. You got anger, you got fury, which is just, you just absolutely lost it, right? Just blowing your top. Anger is, is, can be a lot of different types of emotion. It can be seething, it can be simmering too, and it just floods your life. It just takes over your life. So the fury can be cruel, just harsh, mean, abusive, ugh. Anger just floods everything, just takes over every relationship and every situation. But who can withstand jealousy? It's like, and, and then you got jealousy. 
And that's, listen, that's when you want what another person has or owns or possesses or the relationships that they have or the situation that they're in or the job that they have or the money or the house or the whatever position, whatever it is. And that just takes over your heart. Jealousy. You got to have it. And you're, you're, you're feeling angry toward that person or, or you're, you're, you're getting just really, it's really not good for your heart when those things take over. And this, these trinity of poisons, fury, anger, jealousy, these are all relationship destroyers, the, these three, plus um, the one in the verse we looked before, which is just being morally foolish, making poor choices. Um, these things are, they, they're really poisonous and toxic to human relationships. So look at your own heart and your own life and say, are any of these a part of my story right now. Um, here's the principle. Know your kryptonite. Kryptonite, Superman, you know, he's all-powerful, almighty, but you, pull, pull, you pull, uh, pull out the kryptonite and suddenly he just lo he loses all his strength. Kryptonite, spiritually speaking, is what steals your strength. And it can be bad choices that you're making, that's moral foolishness, or it can be fury, anger, or uh, jealousy. These are all kryptonite to you. And, and, and it can be what you yourself are doing, or it's just allowing these other things to kind of overtake your life. You can't control other people, but you can control the way that you react to them. And I just would encourage you to look at your own heart and just say, what's my kryptonite? What are the things that most likely come into my life that damage my relationships with my family, my friends, my coworkers, my neighbors. What is your kryptonite? Because it's probably not my kryptonite, but we all got our kryptonite that messes with our relationships. And Solomon is just saying, be careful, be careful, name it. Name what it is and then confess it before the Lord and ask for him to strengthen you and to give the counter spirit-filled response to whatever situation you're going through. And if you're going through a hard time because you're on the receiving end of all those things, you know, just take that to the Lord and also take that to your life group. Share with your friends where you're struggling in a relationship and that trusted friend can be great for you. So know your kryptonite. Here's another Hezekiah top pick from the 3,000 Solomon Proverbs, here's one verse five. Better an open reprimand than concealed love. Concealed love, what's that? What he's saying here is that people, no one is helped by your unexpressed love. You care about people, you love somebody, you wanna help somebody, but you never express it. You never say it or you never show it. You just keep it to yourself. Or you think you should help or you should love, but you don't do it. You just hide it. No one is, is, is helped by that whatsoever. Just thinking about it doesn't bless anybody. In fact, he says, it'd be better an open reprimand than concealed love. It'd be better to rebuke somebody or call them on the carpet than to know the loving thing that you should do and just keep it to yourself and not do anything about it. Uh, in a world starving for affection and affirmation, don't be stingy with words and actions of love. Don't wait until they're gone. Don't wait until the relationship is ruined 
or in flames. Do it now. Show and tell that you love now. Don't conceal and hide it. I don't mean being inappropriate or stepping over lines or rushing to something that is not ready. I'm just saying, you know how to love the people around you. Um, express that. Tell them. Show them. God, he sometimes reprimands us, disciplines us for our good. But that's not the focus of Scripture of what God does for us. It's how God does not conceal his love for us that is the theme of the Bible. How God just demonstrates his love for us again and again and again and again. Of course, the ultimate demonstration, Paul tells us, is God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. He didn't remain aloof. He came and he got involved and did something about it. And so this verse is just an encouragement to just love covers over a multitude of sins. Love can make a difference. Pour some love on that situation with that friend, with that family member. Who is it that God's brought to mind during this message? Where does love need to go there? Better an open reprimand than hidden love, concealed love. Don't conceal your love. If you care about somebody, let them see it and let them hear it. Um, verse 6, the wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. Okay. Um, sometimes real friends have to say hard things. Um, and if it's a real friend, uh, you can trust them when they say hard things to you. I'm not talking about abusive talk. I'm not, no, absolutely not. But I'm saying that we're honest with each other. That's a real friend. On the other hand, you've got an enemy who just pours on the flattery. Oh, they're, they're just telling you everything they want to know. They really don't care about you. And sometimes they're even trying to get something from you or take advantage of you or opposing you or whatever. And they're acting like they love you, but they don't. They don't love you. They don't care about you. A friend sometimes, and I'm not talking about just, you know, showering people with verbal assaults. No, we're talking about carefully chosen, love-driven, truth-telling to the people that are, we're close to. That's just what relationships are made of. You have to do this sometimes. That's what relationships are. Um, and my question is, am I, are you listening when a genuine friend tells you the truth, even when it's hard to hear? Um, do you really try to listen to correction or even rebuke from a trusted friend? Enemies flatter us. Enemies butter us up to get something. They never tell us anything like that. Now, sometimes they insult us or whatever, but, you know, some people are just sneaky and they, they want to get something from you, so they butter us up. Uh, uh, Harry S. Truman became president of the United States when Roosevelt died. He wasn't expecting to be president of the United States. He was the least educated president we've ever had. Um, and he was kind of, it was kind of the world just kind of tipped on its axis when Harry S. Truman became president. Um, but he had some friends around him that talked and he listened to them and they spoke truth to him. One of them was the Speaker of the House. His name was Sam Rayburn, who was like in the House of Representatives forever. Here is a picture of, this is Harry S. Truman, this is Sam Rayburn, and there's some guy in the middle kind of yucking it up, laughing it up with President Truman, all right? I don't know anything about this guy, 
but maybe he's buttering him up to get something from the president. Sam Rayburn, when Harry S. Truman became president, said this to Harry Truman. Harry, they will stand in the rain a week to see you and will treat you like a king. They'll come sliding in and tell you you're the greatest man alive. But you know, and I know, you ain't. And Harry S. Truman took that. He said, you're right. I'm a flawed guy. But you know what? He, 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 he served his best and he made some great decisions. And he gave leadership in a time of tremendous crisis with a president who had been president for a very long time. And he led to the successful conclusion of World War II. You can say all you want about Harry S. Truman. Maybe you don't like him as president. Whatever. You may not even know anything about it, him. It doesn't matter. My point is he listened to people around him. He took in their... Um, Wisdom. He wasn't so arrogant that he couldn't listen to somebody telling him the hard truth. They're going to tell you the greatest man alive, and you know, and I know, you ain't. Your enemies will never tell that to you. Um, they'll be sneak, sneaky with you. Judas betrayed Jesus, not with an insult or with a shake of his fist, but with the embrace of a kiss. He didn't diss him. He kissed him. So maybe the question for you today is, if I have a friend or somebody that's a respectful, good person that knows me and, you know, has had some time with me, maybe I ask myself, what's an alternative perspective that I may not have considered seriously that this person is bringing to me that I need to listen to? Maybe they're not your enemy. Maybe they're actually love you and they're telling you something that you need to hear. Um, these are hard things to discern, but I think far, far, far too many people um, just don't want to hear it. They don't want to listen when somebody who cares about them is actually telling them, look, this is for your own good. If you want to improve every single relationship you have, then here's the principle. Seek out an honest friend and trust an honest friend. Find them and then trust them. Uh, who is that person in your life? Do you have anybody? Uh, tell me the two to three people in your life. And if you're married, I, I want you to actually think about two to three people outside your family that you will absolutely take to heart what they tell you no matter what. Can you name two or three other people? If you cannot, or if there's no one like that in your life that you just would tell them no matter what they said, if you can't name two or three people, then you may be headed for trouble because you don't have anyone that can speak into your life the hard truths. I got people like that in my life. They're not impressed by me. <laughs> they just, yeah, I'm not the lead pastor of them. I'm just Quentin. And they're allowed to speak into my life. They've, they've earned that, their trust, and I trust them. And, you know, we have honest conversations, and sometimes they're about hard things and things I need to hear. Um, that's not every last person who walks up to me. Those are those trusted friends that really do, they've shown that they, they, they know you and that they're godly people and they want to speak into your life. Everybody needs an honest friend who loves us, is loyal to us, but who is not impressed by us or afraid to tell us the truth who can freely disagree with you without fear of your rejection or your hostility, 
who, who are those people in your life. If you want to strengthen every relationship you will ever have, seek and trust an honest friend who will tell you the truth. What was another one of Hezekiah's top Solomon tweets to help us strengthen all of our relationships? Here's one, verse 7. A person who is full tramples on a honeycomb, but to a hungry person, any bitter thing is sweet. Okay. <laughs> wow. Where, where, where is this going? Here's the principle. Don't take your blessings for granted. Go back to the verse. A person who is full tramples on a honeycomb. So they're, they're satisfied. They've had plenty to eat. And so they see this honeycomb. This is, you know, written, you know, a couple thousand, 2,500 years ago, um, 2,700 years ago. Uh, they see a honeycomb that normally would be a source of food. They don't care about it. They just trample over it. Who cares? I don't need that. I'm full. I don't need dessert. I don't care about it. So they did just waste this perfectly good, sweet thing uh, because they're already satisfied. They don't need any more. Whereas a person who doesn't have that, who isn't full, who's hungry, anything you give them to eat tastes pretty good. That's what he's saying. What is this all about? Go back to the principle. Don't take your blessings for granted. Uh, this isn't about, you know, the food you eat or whether you pass on dessert or something. That's not, it's nothing about that. What it's saying is that human beings have a tendency um, sometimes to take their blessings for granted. They, they, they take their families for granted. They take their friends for granted. They take their church for granted. They take their blessings of God in, in, work, in work and finance and everything. They take them for granted. They don't give thanks to them. They don't have much gratitude. And so when, even when God is pouring on more blessings and more blessings, they, they just, they trample on them. There's no heart of gratitude. There's no, wow, God, thank you so much. It's just kind of taking them all for granted. And sometimes they, they take them so for granted that they even trample on the things that are, should be sweet in their lives. And if that's you in any situation in your life where you have taken for granted a, a spouse or the precious gift of a child or a grandchild or a friend or whatever, and you just haven't paused to really give thanks to them, or you've just kind of forgotten how much of a blessing, how important they are, don't, don't let the day end before you tell the Lord how thankful you are. And then tell them, tell these people in your life how important they are to you in the days to come. Don't trample on your honeycombs. Because um, you might not always have them. Um... The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His name is to be praised in the good times and the hard times. But in the good times, make sure you're appreciating the people around you. Okay? You'll strengthen every relationship you have. Another one uh, Hezekiah picked out, verse 8. Anyone wandering from his home is like a bird wandering from its nest. Literally like a bird wandering from her nest. I think it's more about mama bird who's feeding the, the little bird, the baby birds. And um, the principle here is pretty simple. It's beware of wandering. Um, the mama bird, if she just wanders too far from her nest, She's neglecting her, you know, her nest, her responsibilities. This doesn't have to be children or anything. It can be any kind of thing of life that you're wandering away from. Your job, your, 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 your bank account, your responsibilities, maybe your kids, your marriage, whatever it is, but you're neglecting it. You're wandering away from it. What does wandering look like? Here's what I'll tell you. I thought of a few. 
When wandering happens, when you begin to think in your heart and mind and soul that the grass is greener on the other side, when you begin to imagine, wow, I wonder what it's like over there. Um, when you begin to neglect your main responsibilities that God's given to you, that's wandering. When you ponder the what-ifs of some temptations that come your way, or you're fantasizing about other possibilities that you have that are not in God's plan. When you dream of an alternate life that's far from the path of God, you're wandering. When you're straying off the path in imagination or you're straying off the path in reality, that's wandering. When you're abandoning or neglecting those who depend on you for faithfulness, for goodness, for love, you're wandering. When you're wasting time at work with non-work matters, you're wandering. In The Wizard of Oz, what was the one lesson of life that Dorothy had to learn? You remember? Oh, Annie Ann, there's no place like home. She had to learn that lesson. She had a good home, but she didn't recognize it. She wandered. Oh, it'd be better somewhere over the rainbow, right? And she found out, you know what? There's no place like home. So it's just being appreciative of the blessings that God gave to you and beware of the wandering eye, the wandering heart, the wandering temptation, wandering away from what God has given to you, your responsibilities, your promises, um, the people who are depending on you. Beware of wandering because bad things can happen when you wander away. Um, and then the last of Hezekiah's choice for Solomon's top pearls of wisdom come in verse 9 and 10. Verse 9, oil and incense bring joy to the heart. So this is an ancient uh, recommendation of aromatherapy and of essential oils. <laughs> I mean, literally. It's saying that these are good things. And, you know, we've kind of been rediscovering those things. There's something about them. They just smell good. They lift your spirits. I mean, he recognized that we are physical beings who good aromas and smells to us actually do lift our spirits some. Um, he says, in a much deeper way, the sweetness of a friend is better than self-counsel. This verse is a little hard to translate. Some people say the sweetness of a friend is their honest, earnest counsel with us. In any way, it's the, the presence of a friend in our lives is sweet. And it's better than being all by yourself. Better than just listening to yourself uh, talk. Uh, friends are good for our souls. Um, better than talking to yourself or listening to your, just yourself talk is the counsel or the presence of a friend in your life who can really build you up. And there's something sweet about that. And he just says, you know, find those friends, keep those friends, appreciate those friends, be that friend to people in need. At one of the um, hardest times in the last four years, uh, as we've walked through, Ruth and I have walked through this journey with cancer, it was a very long hospital stay, 18, 18 days in University of Iowa Hospital. And, you know, I don't know, I think it was day 16. And I was like, are we ever getting out of here? I mean, we, we, we were cleared to leave, but they couldn't find a place for Ruth to go to rehab. And so we just continued. The days were long and Ruth was recovering, but they were long days for her. And they were long days for me. And, um, 
And just out of the blue, I hear a voice on the other side of the curtain, Quentin. And I thought, Every, nobody comes into this room and asks for me. It's always, you know, the nurse is looking for Ruth. So who's calling out for me? And I vaguely recognized the voice, but I couldn't quite spot it. They pulls back the curtain and my old college roommate, Terry Wallace, was there. I hadn't seen Terry for years, but he had heard about Ruth's cancer and he'd heard about the long hospital stay and he got in a car in Indianapolis and he drove 500 miles unannounced to walk into the hospital room. Here's the picture. And I'm telling you guys, I mean, he's like an angel from heaven. I mean, he lifted our spirit so much. He, he's just that kind of friend, you know? And here's another picture we took just after that. Just, hey, hanging out, being encouraging one another. Wow, what an incredible friend. Um, be that friend to somebody. When they're going through those hard times, be that friend. And then, you know, seek out those friends. This is why we encourage you to be in life groups. Seek out those people that when times are hard, and bad things happen or just rough stuff. You got people you can turn to. You got your family, of course. But there's friends that are just, they're just great. Um, and of course, Jesus is the ultimate sweet friend. Um, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. I mean, that's the old hymn. And it's true. He, he's, he's the best friend of all. If you don't know Jesus, trust in Jesus. Come to him. He gave his life for you. Give your life to him. And uh, you won't be disappointed. Uh, last verse, don't abandon your friend or your father's friend. Stick by your friends. Stick by them. Don't, these long-term friends that you've had, you know, stick by them. Your father's friend, an old family friend, don't ditch them. Uh, now, I, I'm not talking about if there's some kind of abusiveness or whatever, you know. I, you know, those are, they're exceptional cases, of course. But, but if somebody stood by you, make sure you stand by them. And, and he says, don't go to your brother's house at your time of calamity. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Cherish the old friend. Don't abandon them. Make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver and the other gold, right? A few weeks ago, Ruth and I got the wonderful opportunity to have kind of a family reunion on my side. And here's, here's a photo with all my brothers and sisters. There's seven of us, and we hadn't been together for 15 years. Because we're far apart. You know, we're scattered all over the co country. And it's hard to get seven of us together, but we came together and we had a wonderful time. But what Solomon is saying here, it's not that a far off brother or a far off sister is bad. They're awesome and amazing and great. But the nearby neighbor in a moment of crisis is better because they're far off and you need a nearby, a neighbor a friend who's right there. When that calamity strikes, you, you can't, you know, somebody who lives a thousand miles away, that's going to take forever to get the help you need. It's not, it's not saying that far off brothers are bad. You may go to see them and they may lift your hearts and spirits and take those trips and make those moves, whatever. But what it's saying here is that that close friend who's nearby in your moment of crisis can be even better than a brother who lives a thousand miles away. So make those friends, keep those friends. And Jesus promised us, I will never leave you.
nor forsake you. He said, I laid down my life for you. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Here's the principle. Treasure your friends. Treasure them. Don't take them for granted. Tell them that you love them. Tell them you appreciate them. I conclude today with this. I was on an airplane not too long ago, and I, I watched a movie, this movie, Jesus Revolution. Hadn't seen it yet, but I was on a plane for a number of hours, so I thought, I need to see this, and I did. What was amazing to me in this movie, Jesus Revolution, that yes, there's a, there's a spiritual movement. The Holy Spirit was working powerfully, and it was so encouraging, and we're praying for that, right? Now, in 2023, for our own community and for our own nation and world. But what was interesting to me that so much of the spiritual movement that happened happened through relationships. It was a, a man and his wife. It was a brother in Christ and another brother in Christ or a sister in Christ. It was these relationships through which God brought spiritual revolution. See, we're not just doing this by ourselves, just with God. He's primary and first. But we're doing this together in community, and we need each other. So I hope today that God has brought some wisdom to you through Hezekiah's collection of Solomon's Proverbs. Father in heaven, thank you for the wisdom of these verses. I pray, O oh God, that you would take the one thing that you have for us, each one of us, the one takeaway you would have, and help us to apply that to our hearts and say, that's what God needed to tell me today. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Appreciate you and uh, look forward to connecting very, very soon again.